Hey there, welcome to this episode of the Podcast Manager Show. I am so excited that you are here because in this episode, we are talking to Sarah Young about how we can turn our business cash flow into wealth. Now, Sarah is the host of the Profit and Prosper podcast and founder of Young & Co., a virtual CFO agency that helps business owners find financial peace and generate freedom and wealth. And in this chat, her and I are talking about how we can start thinking about our businesses from not just a perspective of generating cash that we can then go and spend, but really generating money in our businesses that can be then turned into wealth. So we can really build something that's long lasting and really serves us at a higher level. So I'm really glad that you're here to listen to this one. Can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's get to the show. Hey there, I'm Lauren, and you're listening to the Podcast Manager Show, a podcast for podcast managers. Each week, we cover the technical and tactical aspects of running a profitable podcast manager business. With over 90,000 new shows starting each month, podcast managers are in demand. I mean, in demand. And I'm here to help you land your dream clients while reaching your monthly income goals without working like crazy. Are you ready? Let's get to today's episode. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, I'm excited. We're going to be talking about how to turn our business cash flow into wealth. I thought this was a really cool topic that we could talk about because so many of our listeners want to build wealth and really create something larger than just like, oh, I made $1,000 and then I spent $1,000. <laughs> so I'm excited to get your professional you know, take on these. But before we really dive into that, I would love to know how you got started working online. Yes. Well, I started, my gosh, it was 2018. So four years ago. And it was our first year. Um, I got married to my husband in 2017. And we were doing our tax return for the first year. And as a CPA, I had always done my own, of course, but he had always outsourced it. And he was like, we're just going to outsource it. So we did. And the whole experience, we didn't even have a business at the time. We did have rental properties, but no business. But the whole experience was just horrendous, frankly. <laughs> just like they missed things that I caught because I knew what I was I was doing, I guess. And I was paying attention. And it just sort of clicked this light bulb in my head of how the accounting industry as a whole is so behind the times. And I just saw this opportunity for working with online business owners or people who work virtually, like not being stuck to having, you know, people drop off folders of papers and, you know, like really being on the like leading edge of leading edge, like accounting is not an edgy space. Let's be clear. <laughs> but like, you know what I mean? Just becoming more of a modernized accounting firm and working with the more modernized online business owners. I saw an opportunity there because of that experience. And that really kicked off the whole thing. So I designed my business from the get-go to be online. Um, I'm in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have a lot of clients in Charlotte, but I'd say 50% of them are outside of North Carolina. So I mean, we work with clients all across the US because I structured my business to be online, cloud-based. I mean, why would you, why would you not, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's so doable nowadays. And you know, obviously, from a business perspective, it allows you to work with 
maybe people that you want to work with that don't live near you. Yeah, totally. I think the traditional, like when people go and they think about, I need a CPA, they probably pull up Google Maps and just find the tax preparer down the road. And that's how people generally get started. But I think it just opens you up to be able to work with somebody who lives a really, you know, far away from you and find somebody who's a better fit for you and for your business and who understands you more. At least that's what I try to do with my clients. So I totally, I totally get that. Yeah, love that. You're you're reminding me of one of my experiences with H&R Block when <laughs> uh, my husband and I, we would, we would try to do TurboTax a couple times. And we both as we like to say, we both like to like drive the car. So we would be like sitting at the computer trying to do TurboTax, both wanting to like be the one entering the numbers. And so it was like, this is not good for our marriage. We need someone else to do this. So we started using H&R Block and my business started around the same time. And I remember telling the guy like that I was had been donating money from my business money to a charity. And he could not comprehend that. I'm like, these are charitable donations could not comprehend that. He thought that like I'd been donating to my church to advertise type of thing, like advertising. <laughs> Couldn't. I'm like, this is a this is not the right fit. <laughs> this is not the right fit. Not even having to do with an online business. Like he just couldn't. He, yeah, it wasn't a good fit. Yeah. I have a lot of stories from clients, right? And I, tr- I really try to not like be negative about anybody. I think that there's, you know, every everybody just needs a different type of service. Everybody totally. needs a different type of service provider, which is the beauty of going online, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. So um, when it comes to our wealth, what's the first step that we can take to ensure that we're making a profit? So that's really the first step, right? Is like, like I said, we could make $1,000 and we could spend $1,000. What's the first step in making sure that we are making a profit in our businesses? Yes. Well, obviously that is step one. So I love that you actually said make a thousand, spend a thousand. I use that when I talk about becoming a millionaire. Mm. I say like, you know, I don't, I don't believe that making a million dollars means you're a millionaire because if you spend it all, right, you don't have any assets. You don't have any money in the bank. You just spend it. That doesn't make you a millionaire. So I'm totally on board. I love that you said that. So I think with, you know, creating a profitable business, I mean, there's so many things. We could spend hours talking about this, but I think that knowing, you know, who I'm talking to here, I think understanding your business model is really key. And I know you've had podcast episodes where you talk about shifting from podcast editor into podcast manager. And I think that that is a, that's a very different business model, right? Going from editor to producer or not producer, I may not be using the right terminology, but like doing that more high level strategery, strategery, I literally just said that. (laughs) Doing the more high level strategy is very different from editing episodes. And I don't, I want to be clear, like you can, I think you can have a successful business doing either one, Mm -hmm. but you have to be clear on what you're doing. And I'll use myself as an example. So when I started my business coming up on four years ago, I, as a CPA, I was like, well, what do CPAs do, right? You do tax prep and you do bookkeeping. That's what most of them do. I would put tax prep and bookkeeping in the same category as podcast editing, right? Mm. Where it's more of a commodity type service. You can get the same type of service from a lot of different people. 
And I mean, yes, within the different, you may have people who do a better job than other people, but it's still when it comes down to it, it's editing an episode or it's getting your bookkeeping done or getting your tax return prepared. It's it's a commodity. I think having a successful business that is more of what I'll call a commodity business looks and feels different than having a successful profitable business where you do the strategy, right? Doing the higher level stuff. So it's like when I shifted my business from bookkeeping tax prep heavy, and I stopped doing all of that. And I switched over to doing virtual CFO and tax strategy, Mm. right? That's just a higher level service. So I think really understanding what your business model is. And I actually had a client who is a podcast manager do my coaching program. The last time it was open, she came in And we had this exact conversation where she wanted to do the the management, right? The higher level strategy and working more in depth with clients. But she was still charging as if she was doing podcast editing. And she Mm. was saying, well, you know, people give me such pushback over the pricing. I mean, how can I charge $12.50 a month for doing this when there's other people who charge, I don't know, $400, right? To do podcast editing. And so I think my answer was, you have to get clear, like, are you doing podcast editing? Are you doing strategy? And if you're going to do the strategy, no, not everybody needs that. But the people who do need it are there and they do exist and they're willing to pay for it. But on the flip side, if you want to make a business doing editing, that is totally fine. And there are successful editors, there are successful bookkeepers. H&R Block clearly makes money doing tax prep, right? Mm-hmm. But that business model is different. So like if I wanted to have a bookkeeping business, I learned I could not, I would have needed to outsource that. Like I would have needed to get myself out of the middle and not be the go-between between you know all of our clients and trying to manage all the things. I would need to reduce my level of one-on-one time to make that successful, right? Because I can't, I just can't do a high volume and a high touch, you know, lots of one-on-one attention. So I think, you know, there's a ton we could talk about when it comes to profitability, but I think it's really understanding like, what is your business model? What are you providing and structuring your business to be profitable, whatever you decide to do? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a really cool answer because it's because it really speaks to to really like your business as a whole. So and I think, you know, one of the biggest things that that I do with my students is help them package price their packages, right? That's a that's a really big thing that people struggle with. And there's so many nuances to it. But when you when you get a package together, and you price it, and you you start doing the work, you really almost instantly feel like, okay, am I making a profit here? And it's like a financial profit and also like an energy profit. Like, is this worth it is basically the question that you're, you get the answer to. Like if and if it's not worth it, you can adjust it, which is the beautiful thing about business is you can always change things, right? But yeah, I like that you you're speaking more to the idea of like really understanding your own business and making changes so that you can be profitable with what you're you're doing with your clients. Yes, I love that you said the energy of it because I feel like if you're priced too low and you're doing the work and you're feeling like resentful about it or you dread going to work because you're just tired of slogging through like that. That's a sign that something's not working, right? The other thing I find that people do, especially when you're freelancing or you're a solopreneur is you forget to value your time. 
right? So like when you're doing the work, you're thinking, oh, somebody's paying me $400 a month. That's $400 in profit. But I would argue it's really not because you're forgetting the value of your time. Meaning, what would you do if you had to pay somebody else to do that work for you? Could you afford it? Would you make a profit above and beyond that? I think that a lot of solopreneurs and newer business owners and even more established ones I see doing this too, where they forget to build in how much time and energy are they putting into delivering the service and making sure that it is worth their time. And they are making a profit above and beyond, you know, what I would call a CEO salary for actually like doing that work. Mm -hmm, Totally. Yeah, it's making me think about how whenever I try to sell things on Facebook Marketplace, I always get reminded on how I should not be doing that. (laughs) It's such a time suck. It's never worth it to sell a $50 couch or whatever it is, you know, it's like, it's just not worth (laughs) your time going back and forth and all of that stuff. Like, it's just no. But Also, I think, yeah, like when you're a new freelancer, new podcast manager, you think like, oh, yeah, $500 package, like you said, that's $500 in profit. Awesome. But then when you think really get down to thinking about it, and maybe you're afraid to even charge more than that, right? Very common, Um, not necessarily with a $500 mark, but just, you know, common to have a, a cap on yourself. But then you realize, wait a second, my time is valuable. And you know, I'm going to pay taxes on this money. And I'm going to have a certain percentage that comes out through um, the credit card processing. And then you realize, wait, no, this is not enough. Because <laughs> I want $500 profit, I don't want $200 profit. So then you get kind of pushed in the direction of like, okay, I, I can do higher numbers, I can, my time is more valuable, because, you know, I'm providing a really great service. Um, I'm glad you brought that up too. like thinking about paying the payment processing fees, paying your software subscriptions that you're probably not thinking about, paying for any other courses, learning you might be taking, Mm -hmm. taking taxes out of that money. Like you absolutely don't get to keep $500. And so when you think about creating a profitable business, I think this feeds into the idea of cash flow to wealth really well, because we need to get clear on what do you need to have cash flow wise coming in, not just to keep the lights on, but to really thrive, right? And to be able to invest and put money into retirement accounts, right? And so I like to go through this process with clients where we almost reverse engineer your goals. And so instead of taking that top down approach of, I have a $500 retainer. What am I going to do? What am I going to do with that? What am I going to spend that on? Instead, we go from bottom up and say, well, how much do you need? Not just to live on, but also to meet your retirement goals, but then also pay taxes. Yes. And then to pay your expenses in your business and then to have everything covered and feel good about it. Right. Yeah, totally. And I can see like, you know, if someone's brand new in business and they start making money, and they're, they kind of start with that mindset of like, okay, great. Wow. $2,000. Like this was my a month. This was my first goal or whatever. And it feels great, which is awesome. Cause Hey, making money online is a beautiful thing. <laughs> it's still crazy that we get to do this, but then you, you get to a point where you're like, okay, I don't want to keep, I don't want to just keep the lights on. I want to to make something bigger and better out of this. So let's get into this whole cash flow into wealth. So let's say, you know, we have we we have some cash flow, 
you know, our businesses may be taking off, or at least we want to start moving in the direction of building some wealth. What are some things that we can do to move in that direction? Yes. So I will, I'll try to keep it high level, but we can dive into anything. But I'll say I have an entire like year long coaching program about this specific topic because there's so much that goes into it. Mm-hmm. And I say there's a lot that goes into it. It really is simple when you think it when you think about it high level, right? To build your wealth, you have to generate cash flow from your business, generate that profit, and then invest it into assets. Assets meaning things that will produce cash flow for you without you necessarily having to work for that money, right? We might you might hear it called like passive income when you read about financial independence online. So passive income is just where you have that asset that will produce cash flow and deposit that in your bank account every month so that you can live and it's not tied to your time as a business owner. Yeah, let's pause there real quick because I think passive income, I don't hear it as much, but it used to be such a buzzword for like creating digital products, creating digital courses, when really that's not passive, period. It's just not. And I think we can all understand that now. You can understand a course creator business. They're they're showing up and running a business, not, you know, every day or whatever. So what you're explaining is true passive income, like investing, like, you know, maybe what what are some other examples of like true passive income? I think that passive, and I'm using air quotes, is sort of a spectrum. So you have completely passive, and then you have a little like mostly passive. Mm-hmm. So completely passive, sit back, literally doing nothing would be like having money in a retirement account or broker brokerage account where you know, you put the money in, it grows over time. And so you're getting the earnings from the value of your investments going up. And then some stocks will also pay dividends. And so you'll get the cash flow from the dividends coming off. That would be, in my opinion, passive. Then you have things like, let's say real estate, right? A lot of people will say real estate is passive. And I would say, you know, it's maybe somewhere in the middle of the spectrum. Because when you think about real estate, You have to, if you're renting it out, you've got to either hire somebody to manage that for you, or you've got to yourself deal with the tenant. You've got to do the maintenance on the house. You have to do deal with leasing and collecting checks every month and following up when they're late. Like I would say that's not totally passive. It's more passive probably than, you know, running a business because for my business, I mean, I have to show up. I have to do work every single day. Otherwise, you know, it's going to stop, right? Um, I would say, and this is actually something I wanted to make a point of, I think that there's a difference when you're in a, in a business, there's a difference between being what I'll call self-employed versus being a business owner. Mm. And I think if you can make that shift over to business owner and away from being self-employed, then I would argue that your business becomes more passive, not as passive as having just money invested in the stock market for sure, but more passive than it is right now. Because, you know, if your business, like if you stop working, if you stop editing podcast episodes, the money stops coming in, right? If you can make that shift to where you're still cash flowing, but it's not necessarily tied directly to your time sitting in front of your laptop, then that becomes more passive. 
Mm-hmm. And so I have clients who buy franchise businesses, for example, and um, some of them are more involved than others. It just depends on the person, really. But all of it is to say all of those things are assets that will produce cash flow. And, you know, some are more passive than others, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I view your business really as almost like the fire starter, right? So your business is your main hustle. It's the main source of cash flow. And I hear a lot of people say, I don't know if you've heard this, but you know, every the average millionaire has seven streams of income. Yeah. Yeah. And the point there is not that you have to have seven streams of income to become a millionaire. It's just that I think when people get to where they have millions of dollars in the bank, they tend to have more diversified investments. And for somebody listening to this, that would mean you have your main hustle, right, as your job or your business that produces most of your income. And to become a millionaire, you start taking some of that cash flow and you build up your second asset. And so that would be deciding to invest in a retirement account or a brokerage account or saving up to buy a rental property or something like that. And then when you get that rental property, that becomes income stream number two. And then it just compounds because now you have your business producing cash flow and you have this income stream over here producing cash flow. And then you kind of just keep going until you get find where you're at a place where you have enough cash flow coming in to where work becomes optional. And that's an amazing place to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that's coming to mind is I think people take that that concept of, okay, I need to have a lot of different streams of income. And they, uh, and they, so they start one thing, and then they start another thing. And then they, and it's like, they're, they're building three businesses at one time. (laughs) And then, you know, as we can imagine, none of them really go anywhere. Because when you're, when your, your focus is split, it's it's just not gonna it's not gonna be very fruitful. But what you're describing, just to be you know pointed out to our listeners, you're what you're describing is you build something up, you get to a certain point, and then you say, okay, now we can take now we can build something else up, you know. And they all have different levels of involvement and, and passiveness. Hey there, I wanted to interrupt this episode with a quick message for you. If you are listening to this show, then you are either wanting to become a podcast manager or currently a podcast manager. And I wanted to invite you to my free masterclass where I show you how to become a profitable podcast manager without working more than 20 hours per week. So in this masterclass, I break down what it would look like for you to be making three to 5K per month working as a podcast manager without working more than 20 hours a week. Not only do I break that down, but I also talk about the three myths that I used to believe that was keeping me away from being a profitable podcast manager and that you might be believing as well. That and I share all the details about my podcast manager program. So if you're interested in learning more, learning the three myths that might be keeping you away from becoming a profitable podcast manager, or you just wanna see what does it take to be a profitable podcast manager, then grab a seat to my masterclass. I would love to see you there. Just head to laurenwrighton.com forward slash masterclass and it'll show the next available time. Okay, awesome. That is it. Go sign up for the masterclass. I cannot wait to see you there. Let's get back to the episode. 
I don't think anybody could successfully run seven businesses, right? I mean, I know people who own multiple businesses, but they are not involved in the day-to-day at all, right? Right. Like they'll have somebody who runs the day-to-day and they just have to check in and make sure it's not about to, you know, go under basically. But no, like you can't divide your attention, right? Between all those different things or you're never going to be successful. Yeah. Especially since we all have personal lives and, you know, you know, families and just all these other things that we want, want to do. So yeah, could you run three businesses? Maybe if you had nothing else on your plate (laughs) and you didn't have to worry about, you know, taking care of your health or anything like that, but that's not the case for us, right? No, no. I mean, I personally, I have a two-year-old, I have a husband, I try to work out and cook dinner and do all that stuff. (laughs) And I couldn't imagine adding anything. Now, I mean, I hope to get my business to a point in the next few years where it requires even less of my time. But that's something Mm -hmm. that I am intentionally building, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, That's sort of where when I think about the stages of business, I, I talk about this a lot in my podcast and in my program where I find that business owners tend to go through stages to get to wealth, right? The first stage that a lot of people tend to be in for a long time is I I call stabilizing or the stabilized stage where you're just trying to get consistent cash flow. And yes, that's about sales, but it's also about paying yourself regularly. So learning how to manage your money in your business so that you can pay yourself a regular salary and even just, you know, keep the lights on is really stage one. Then I would say... I mean, in stage one, there's probably not a lot of wealth building you're doing, right? You're just trying to build up the foundation of a business. And then once you have that foundation, then you can really sort of grow that. Then I see people typically, some people pass by this stage and I always have to remind them to come back to it. And this is is what I call the protecting stage, Mm. um, which is where you have that consistent cash flow and now we're going to protect it, Right. And that would be protecting it from the ups and downs of economic cycles from potential recession and crazy inflation like we have right now Um, from, you know, yourself as a business owner. If you stop working, does your business come to a screeching halt? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Implementing systems and processes in your business so it can keep going. And, you know, just making sure it's going to last, right? Making it resilient. And so with that, I would say my focus for people in that that stage is building up your cash cushions, emergency funds for the business, for personal, um, making sure that you're not carrying a lot of debt. If you have high interest debt, paying that off so that it doesn't drain your cash flow and you can use that for other things. Making sure you don't end up with a huge tax bill you know, setting tax money aside throughout the year, because I've seen people who will come in, you know, in March of the year, and we're looking at their previous year's tax return. And I'm like, great, you made, I had one last year, she made $100,000 in her business. And I asked, did you make any tax payments? No. Do you have any savings set aside? No. Okay, well, you owe $15,000. Yeah. (laughs) And it's hard. And that can cause people to go into debt if they don't have that money set aside. And so when I say protecting your business, obviously, there's a legal side too, but just protecting it from the ups and downs of cash flow. And then you go into more of like building your business and investing. And so I think, you know, for people who are self employed, I want to be clear, you don't 
you don't have to become a business owner in my definition. If you don't want to, you can be Mm -hmm. successfully self-employed. So if you're self-employed, I would say, okay, now you've got the basics sort of checked off. Now we're going to start making sure you're investing into your retirement plan, right? We're going to start putting money aside um, as much as you can, because the more you put in, the faster you're going to be able to retire. Versus if somebody wants to be more of a business owner and like really, you know, stepping out eventually of the day-to-day management of the business, um, which is my personal goal, Mm -hmm. then in that stage, I think investing back into your business is a smart move just Mm. to build out your team, to increase your sales pipeline, to build out your marketing processes and just creating a true business Mm -hmm. that doesn't rely on you doing every single step of the process, right? And to me, that is an investment because an asset that a lot of people forget that they have is their business because your business, it has value. I think a lot of people don't consider that if they build up something that produces cash flow, like their business, somebody else can come and buy that from you. And that can be hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions of dollars, depending on how much profit you make, right? And so sometimes doing things to intentionally increase your profitability and grow your business is also a net worth decision, right? Mm -hmm. So I think all of that is to say, it just starts with the intention, right? Of not, like you said, back in the beginning, make $1,000, spend $1,000. It's okay, I'm going to make $1,000. I'm going to pay myself this much so that I can pay all my bills. I'm going to build up my savings account, you know, for emergency fund, whatever else you need. And then I'm going to start taking a little bit of money and intentionally putting that aside into whatever my asset of choice is, but just actually doing that. And I like to tell people it's all about just the habit. So if you're not doing anything today to invest, then start with like $50 a month, right? Can you set aside $50 and start putting that either towards a savings account if you don't have an emergency fund or if you want to start investing, like, you know, maybe an IRA is a really good choice for you to start putting that money aside. Um, I think you will find that just developing that habit will go a long way toward getting you there. Even if right now, like maybe you're not going to reach your goal number of money invested in your account by putting $50 in, it'll take you forever to get there. But starting with that is better than waiting years until you can put in, you know, bigger amounts of money. Yeah. So hopefully that was a pretty high level overview, I think, of how I sort of think about using your business in that way. Yeah, no, that was really helpful. And number one, I like that you said that, you know, maybe you want to stay in the self-employed spot. And that's that's great. It's great that we can all make that decision, right? We can we can all make these decisions for ourselves and our unique businesses. But there is a a great opportunity to, you know, to to build wealth as you grow your business as a business owner. And I and you said like your business is really an asset and so are you. So if you can pull yourself out of the weeds, then you can as the business owner, the CEO mindset, you can then make decisions for the business that you might not be able to make when you're running the day to day, right? You just don't have that perspective because you're you're busy. Yes. I found that um, when I was solopreneuring, I think I was probably at like eight to 10K in revenue per month. I remember being really burned out and stressed out all the time. 
And then I really intentionally doubled my business and I hired a, a couple of team members to help me with, you know, doing the the bookkeeping, accounting, tax stuff. And I just remember looking up one day and being like, wow, like that was really hard for me to have any brain space to take care of myself, to work out, to like take the time to eat well. I wasn't sleeping well. And even just to like have the the space to be an entrepreneur and to come up with ideas and, you know, show up on in my marketing as my best self. It was so hard then because I was wearing all the hats. At the eight to 10K a month mark, I find that people really get stuck in that zone because I think that's hard to maintain by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I, I generally encourage people to say, well, I either want to be self-employed and maybe you keep it on the lower end, right? Like five or 6K a month, maybe up to like 8,000 a month. That would be 100,000 a year approximately in revenue, mm-hmm. but keeping your overhead super low, right? Like designing your systems and your packages and pricing to make mm-hmm. it as easy as possible to hit that number with as little expense as possible. And then from that, put money into your retirement accounts, you know, start start building your net worth with the money left over from that. Or on the flip side, making the choice that you want to grow your business to the next level and like really getting up toward the mid six figure mark because I find there you have enough money coming in to afford a team. And as a mom of a two-year-old, like I need flexibility in my schedule. I need to have a team to help keep it running without relying on me. And once I got there, I realized like, okay, this is much more sustainable for me. And that reminds me when I talk about wealth, we've been talking about money the whole time, but I actually would argue that a lot of your wealth in your life will come from being enabled to have time freedom, to have your health, to like feel good and be doing things that you love to do. And that doesn't have to do with money, but it also does because if you're not taken care of financially, you're not going to be able to do the other things. Totally. Like the times when I feel most stressed out about my personal finances, those are the hardest times in my business because I just show up with this totally different mindset and energy. And so we just need to take care of you as the business owner and the CEO of your business, whatever your business model ends up being. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of like shame around wanting to make money, wanting to make more money, wanting to make a lot of money. And, you know, that that could be a whole conversation, right? Is why is that? Why is there so much shame? Um, But really, what it comes down to is, yeah, money, when we have more money, we can show up the way we want to in our businesses and in our life. And that's really like the heart and soul of why I have the business that I have is that I love being able to help people start this freelance podcast management business so they can be who they want to be when they're not running their business. They can have this business that's profitable that they really enjoy doing, but then they can do other things outside of that. And maybe we can make the world a little bit better because we're not all like going to work from nine to six, coming home, stressed out, eating dinner, going to bed. We have some, you know, some brain space to to make things a little bit better because we need it, right? Yes. Yeah. No, I mean, that's exactly why I do what I do. Just on the flip side, it's just making sure people are taken care of because my gosh, I mean, I know 
I wasn't raised to be a rich person. I wasn't raised to be a millionaire. I was Mm -hmm. raised like pretty solidly middle class. And it's not that we wanted for anything, but I just wasn't raised with that mindset or, you know, really taught the financial literacy piece. I figured it out, obviously, but I think a lot of that will carry over into businesses where, you know, people just don't even think about doing these things. And one of my first CFO clients I had actually sort of spurred me to go beyond this, like the bookkeeping and tax prep and really dive more into the next level financial strategy because they had had this business for a long time, multi seven figure business on paper, you know, very successful, but you know, the the business owner ended up not having money in the bank. So all of his assets were tied up in his business. He hadn't taken any time to think about retiring or do anything because mm-hmm. he just figured, oh, I'm just going to keep running my business, right? A lot of people say stuff like that, but then, you know, you don't know what you're going to think in 20 years. And so in their case, the business owner ended up getting sick and having to step back but he hadn't implemented any of the structure, the team, the profitability numbers that he needed to hit in order to be able to do that. And ultimately, they were able to sell their business, thankfully. But, you know, now he has to live on a budget, right? Because he didn't didn't take the time to take care of himself outside of his business. And I have so many people when I'm I bring them on any of our one-on-one clients. One of the first things I ask people is talking about like, what are your financial goals? How much money do you need to be in, you know, reach financial independence? When do you want to retire? Because all of that factors into your business plan and your tax plan. And I get these like deer in headlights looks, right? Of like, "Mm, I've never thought about that. But, you know, that all that happens is you just get stuck in this trap of relying on the cash flow in your business and it makes it even harder to step away and to be taken care of. And so I just want to like bring awareness to it as step one, right? Of like, you need to take care of yourself. Yeah. So then is that what you would say would be like one of the biggest mistakes you see people make when it comes to making decisions about their money? I think so. I mean, there are a lot of things mistakes, you know, in air quotes, again, that people make. Um, And I would say just overarchingly, probably the the biggest one that I see is just lack of intention around your money, meaning a lot of people I'll say, well, what's your goal for your business? And if they're just starting it, their goal is to get to 100k. And once they get to 100k, they want to get to a million. And then when they get to a million, they want to get to 10 million. And I think there's lack of intention around, well, how much do you need to mm-hmm. meet your goals, to be you know, financially independent, to have time freedom, right? To spend time with your family if you want to. Like how much money needs to be coming in the door to pay the bills, but also to invest and build up your assets over here by the time you want to be able to step back. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times people too will avoid even looking at their financials in their business and thinking about taxes just because it feels overwhelming for some people. Like it just feels like a lot and it's confusing. And so they're like, I'll deal with it later, right? I'll figure it out at some point, but they really never do, (laughs) right? Or they even rely on someone else to do it. And if that person even is trustworthy, great, or we could even say like if you're in a if you're in a, a marriage or a partnership of some kind, the a woman could 
you know, it's very commonplace for a woman to then just like put that on the husband. And it's like, yeah, we don't, we, we don't need to do that. We don't are, even get me started on that. <laughs> I'm sure you run into that all the time. You just got me started on that. No, I mean, I'll keep <laughs> this one short. I can get ranty yeah. about things. Give, give us, give us a, a mini rant. <laughs> I mean, okay. No, I do see that a lot. I see women sort of defaulting to, I don't understand numbers. I don't understand finance. And they think that, you know, having a good handle on your money is something that only like rich people do or the finance bros, like investment bankers. And that mm-hmm. is just not true. Um, and I I don't ever mean to be a downer. I mean, I'm happily married. I hope to stay married, but I don't want to be a downer. But you just can never, you know, I don't want anybody to feel like my future is set because I'm married mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. spouse's income will take care of me. Um, because you just you just don't know what's going to happen. And so, you know, on the one hand, you want to make sure like if something happens, you are taken care of and your business is an amazing tool to do that for yourself. Right. Even if it ends up never happening and you stay, you know, happily married for the rest of your life and you don't have any financial woes on the flip side, your business is also an amazing tool to live the life that you want and take care of the people around you. So I can see no scenario where you as a business owner or as a self-employed person, you need to not have a handle on your money. Right. Right. Like it's just not okay um under so many scenarios and i just like i really want more women business owners to just have more money i think the world would be a better place if there were more women millionaires out there i kid you not yeah i i totally agree with that and just you know starting it'd be one thing to have more women millionaires i also am totally in that camp but also just to be educated on our business finances and our personal finances and just really owning that as women to say, like, this is my space to understand, even if my husband has a, you know, finance degree. And yeah, he's, he's gonna, he's gonna do X, Y, and Z, you could still be educated for your own good on, you know, just in the finance world. Yeah. Well, I think especially, I mean, whether you're going to be self-employed or a business owner, I think under either case, it is helpful to know your numbers and I'm not saying knowing every detail of every cent that comes in and out of your bank account, although if that's you, go for it. I personally don't, but I know this is how much I need to retire. This is how much revenue I need as sort of my baseline to keep the lights on. This is how much I need to be able to hit my retirement goal. Just knowing that so that you're not just always on the hamster wheel of trying to go, go, go that you know, like there's a point to all of this. And you also know when you've reached your goal, right? Because totally, you know what your goal is. Yeah. That's the other thing about having kind of what you said, those stereotypical goals of like, okay, I want to get to six figures. And then I want to get to seven figures. And then I want, it's like, okay, but, but what about all the other things? How's that going to feel? How's that? So yeah, the intentionality of it. And I think is just is just huge. So I'm glad that you brought that up. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, people say I want a $10 million business without really understanding what it's like to run a $10 million business and what it will take for you as a person. I'm learning this as my business is growing from like mid to high six figures, even from even going from like 100K up to mid six figures is a shift Mm -hmm, because I'm learning you just have to become the person that is able to handle all of that 
right? Mm -hmm. You have to have the leadership skills, the communication skills, all of that. And it's not, you know, having more money coming in the door doesn't just magically solve all your problems, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it exacerbates them. <laughs> yeah. And that's one of the the things that I think about whenever you, we talk about more women having um, more money, be, you know, becoming millionaires, is that money just does shine light on who you really are, right? So, you know, we, some of us have these like limiting beliefs or, or I'm not sure if you would even call it a limiting belief, but like a wrong belief that money makes people bad. And it's like money just shows people who you are, <laughs> who you've been. So when people have more money, they'll just do what they've been doing with their money, but on a larger scale. Yes. I actually have a whole podcast episode. I think the title is You Can Be Rich and Do Good. Mm, okay. We'll have to check that out. It was inspired by, I think it was last fall or last winter when all the billionaires were building rocket ships and like <laughs> flying into space. Uh I know, don't, I can't, but <laughs> I saw this post that somebody did on Instagram and it, I'm paraphrasing, but it said something like, I want, when I think about what I want to be wealthy in, I want to be wealthy in relationships and love and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yes, I want all those things. And I was like, that's great. But then they finish out their post by saying, it's not about having a rocket ship that flies into space. And I was like, pause. It's not either or. It's not mm. I'm wealthy in all these things or I'm a billionaire that flies a rocket ship into space. Like we have this like very black and white thinking where we simultaneously glorify rich people and celebrities and we want to be like them. But also if you become that, then you're afraid you're going to be shunned by your family. Right. Yeah. yeah. And no, this could be a whole episode too. But yeah. <laughs> I think it is definitely possible. And that's why I say we want to get clear on what your goals are, right? So going back to what is what are you in business for? And what is this money for, mm -hmm. right? If you make a million dollars, what are you going to do with that, right? And it's not always about being responsible with that money, but it's about just like having the intention around it and understanding, well, if I was a wealthy woman or a wealthy person, right? how am I going to do good with that in the world? Or how can I impact my family or my community? Or how can I just enjoy it, right? And not view that as something inherently evil, right? Yeah, so good. So good. This has been so great, Sarah. Thank you so much. Um, where can we connect with you after the episode? Yeah, well, if you like podcasts, go check out my podcast. It is called Profit and Prosper. There's a little plus sign in the middle because I guess I'm a math nerd. Um, <laughs> you can also find me on Instagram. I actually just recently changed my username to my personal one. So my handle is now it's Sarah Young. And, you know, if you listen to the episode, share it. Give me a tag. I love to talk to people. And would love it if you went and checked out my podcast too. Yes. Well, we all love podcasts. And so I'm sure, I'm sure you'll get some new listeners because that's our, that's our jam over here. <laughs> yes. Mine too. That's why I started one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you again. This has been so good. I'm, I'm so excited to hear what people have to say about this episode. And like Sarah said, tag us on Instagram with, with what your takeaways were and, and what you think about just wealth building in general. I would love to know. So Thanks again, Sarah. Thanks for having me. This was good. I'm, I'm excited to hear from people too. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. Come connect with me over on Instagram at Lauren Wrighton 
or in the Podcast Manager Mastermind Facebook group. And let me know what you liked about this episode. I love, love, love hearing your guys' feedback and what is resonating with you. You can always find the links and resources mentioned in the show over at laurenwrighton.com. Special thanks to my amazing podcast manager, Marcy Page, on producing this episode. All right, that's it. Until next time, I'll be cheering you on.